Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to episode 86. 87. Oh, 87. Okay, 87. Uh, we're live from the King Power Stadium, live from the car park. We're behind the cop, um, an area that possibly will be redeveloped. Uh, myself, Pete Selby and Rob Hayes, should I say. You've, you've, we've been thrown off because we're outside of FFS HQ. Your normal intro that you've done for 86 episodes has gone out the window. Yes, it's the worst intro of all time, but never mind. Um, yeah, we're outside the King Power, a day of uh, the Newcastle game. We're about an hour before kickoff. Team news has just come through. Diabate starts, Silver starts. Uh, quite an exciting team, it looks on paper. It is, yeah, and it's the right... T- I know the Silver change is forced, obviously, with Matty James being out for the rest of the season, but it's it's the right time I think to give Diabate a start and say look let's be more positive because there are question marks over Leicester's uh, attacking intent at times you know it's sometimes people are talking about Puel being a bit sideways and keeping the ball uh, and and you lose an element of pace and attack through that but if Diabate's starting in the number 10 role he's busy uh, he might even pull out wide and allow Maras to come in into a more central position it looks to be quite fluid Silver and Ibora should move the ball quite quickly so it should make for an entertaining attacking looking Leicester side yeah there's plenty to discuss obviously the game today uh, but we know many people obviously listen to the podcast you know during the week on the way to work on the way back from work that sort of thing so um, we won't kind of keep it you know, Newcastle kind of centric um, there's lots of news obviously the chairman's birthday this week happy birthday no don't do that so basically uh, we've got <laughs> lots of uh, they, they printed off a sheet with all the bits and bobs that is going on today um, so you were given a free beer or water yeah a lot of people we're currently sat, uh, stood here rather watching people sitting on curbs next to police vans drinking cans of lager yeah I want to be one of them it's very so, very sophisticated we can't because we're trying to be professional um, <laughs> keyword so, trying so, so there's that um, around the back we're going to run over here um, around the back of the uh, family stand the, the north stand uh, there was a display I don't know whether you saw the display of the new training ground facilities at Park Hill Seagrave I didn't see them there. No, they've got some nice big card uh, printouts of, uh, of what's going on and uh, what impact it's going to have on the surrounding area, job creation, all that sort of thing. I've got a friend who only lives down the road and he'll be part of that, so he's going to keep us up to date with um, kind of village meetings and all bits and bobs that are going on that way. Amazing. Yeah. Of course you know somebody there. You know somebody everywhere. Uh, yeah, it'd be nice to have a little, not a mole inside the camp, but... You know, sometimes you struggle uh, to to keep up with things on sort of on a local media front uh, without really searching for it. So if we've got our own correspondent, that'd be good. Yeah, because they have to have um, you know a chat with the local population and say, you know, this is what's going on. End of the day, when um, a big bad football club say we're going to turn the now defunct golf club into a training ground, you know, it can spark alarm bells and they need to kind of put that down and, and, and quash those flames and uh, hopefully everything goes through it looks really good I had a quick look round, and it's basically what we've seen on the website already um, there was a chocolate given out you've not got your your press pass yet so you haven't given yours you haven't been given yours you uh, get chocolate yeah big big um, gold nice. uh, happy birthday Mr Chairman I've tweeted a picture of it 
Uh, you've also got uh, a firework display at 2.54 very, p.m. Very precise. Now, I've not it's seen... It's going to be bright, isn't it? How are you going to see them? Well, I don't know. It's just going to be loud, isn't it? It's just going to be bangs. Um, I've not yet seen where they're going to be let off from. I thought... You've walked from behind the East stand, so you, have you seen anything? No, but I've heard a rumour that it might be off the roof. Oh, I, they're, they're I, already on there. They're already on there. I know a bloke. What? The fireworks are? That's what I'm saying. I, for some reason, I just thought there would be like a lorry behind the East stand. What, just a, shooting them out the top? Yeah. Well, no, I know a bloke who works uh, on the student accommodation in Leicester. And uh, you know the really tall building near Philbert, near the old Filbert Street? Yeah. The really, really tall one. Uh, some, the cylinder one near the uh, Statue of Liberty. Yes. Yeah. Some uh, some le- representatives from Leicester uh, asked for permission to go on the roof of the student building to film these fireworks, which really? makes me think that if they were happening inside the stadium, that would be fairly pointless. So well, we I'm sh- expecting them, possibly, to come off the roof. Well, we're looking around. We can't see anything. So you might be right there. See, you've got a mole in that. They wanted to um, make that that building taller, didn't they? Yeah, but thank goodness they didn't. It's already very tall. Uh, so there's that to look forward to. And also the announcement that I think everyone's been waiting Finally. for. Finally. Finally, exactly. Finally, the, the announcement that we've all been waiting for, and that is the fact that they're going to expand the stadium. And, and looking here... I presume this will be one of the stands. Early indications are that it's going to be another tier going around the top of the King Power in terms of the COP and then the East Stand and then the North Stand or possibly the East Stand redevelopment. The, the sentence or the paragraph that got me personally excited was obviously the, the, the work in and around the stadium. You've been harping on about this, haven't you? Enhancing the Manchester experience, having little fan villages, places for people to mill about. It's nice today. This is a kind of a, a little, maybe a taster of what it could be like. You wouldn't have this many people loitering outside the stadium at this time at most matches, would you? But because there's a, an incentive, a reason for them to come, uh, obviously it's a free 330 mil can of Singer. It's not exactly a, it's not exactly a million pounds. But if you could generate this kind of atmosphere especially in the summer when it's nice to be outside as well, it'd be a, a welcome addition to, to the match day experience. What, what club was it that have done it or doing it? It was Anfield. Anfield? Yeah, yeah. Didn't you say one of the, isn't it Cov or Derby that are thinking about uh, it? Oh, no, Derby, the back of yeah. their kind of east stand. They're going to look to redevelop, or that they are. They're going to basically build what looks like, like a mini shopping centre on the back, but it's all for Derby. It's all for their fans, restaurants, bars, screen showing old games all that sort of thing um, hopefully the same here I mean I was walking from the, the British Gasworks where I park so down Elston Road um, and you can see over to the King Power um, if you look to your right I know on the podcast it's not very good but um, you can see the, the cars going by so I was walking along there and you can see into the King Power Stadium area um, behind where what is the uh, it is a National Grid a refurb centre an old um, building looks like some some industrial units basically and it's like car park e for those who park in there um that's the area that i think that they're really looking at it could be anything there's a lot of land there there's an awful lot of land it could be anything it could be a big building for fans to, i presume that's what it's going to be we all know that i want them to redevelop Philbert street in terms of having a museum there or or having something that actually acknowledges that there was actually a football ground there at one point so fans can walk by and go that's where this happened that's where because at the moment it's a disgrace and i think hopefully that would be something so yes the redevelopment of the ground is is, is fantastic i think that all the fans will be happy about it obviously in the announcement was the fact that they want it to be 
Um, you want to keep the atmosphere in. It's the one thing in the King Power. And, and that's an obvious thing to say. And I think all grounds are working to that kind of uh, that pattern now. I think it kind of blows the, the argument of maybe redeveloping the ground in terms of, say, turning the pitch around, building a new stadium. I think that's kind of out the window. Um, only this week, actually, talking about the owners and obviously his 60th birthday and how much money they've got. We know that they're very rich, but uh, from my industry, really, horse racing, the amount of money that they're spending is is quite frightening. Um, they had a uh, they have these stable tours basically, and the stable that a lot of their horses are are in King Power is down at Andrew Bowling, Claire Bowling's sister, uh, Claire Bowling's uh, brother. Uh, used to be Andrew Bowling. Uh, anyway, um, that's where a lot of his horses are, and we estimate that he spent around about fifty million pounds on horses in terms of buying yearlings and buying horses who are now Group One, like Beat the Bank really going for the breeding side of things they are serious serious players the biggest amount of money that's come into the sport for years since since guitar racing proper big boys so it's similar really to follow as well in terms of king power and, and the leicester brand going forward a lot of the two-year-olds are called there's uh, the, the ones that are quite forward at this time of year there's one called fox morgan there's one called fox shinji which is apparently really quick Amazing. the one they've bought a 2.5 million uh, yearling called frankel yearling that's called king power but lots of them are called fox so and so which is brilliant this is the first time we've heard this a lot of them are unnamed as well so it could be something if anything happens in the next few weeks it, I, I presume vardy will be in there at some point but uh, so that's shows you that they are committed to when they go for a team when they go for a sport that they're going really going to go for it. it obviously they're going to put money up in the summer but uh, yeah that's a, a little sidetrack it's good to see as well because a lot of owners uh, are rich but they're not rich enough to run football clubs you look at someone like Milan Mandaric okay Leicester owe him quite a, a heavy amount of of debt for effectively saving the club and also for kind of brokering and introducing this deal to bring in um, the King Power group to to run the club but somebody like Mandaric had enough money to buy the football club and just about enough to run it but had no more capital then to put into it it's so good that the owners have come in steadied the ship provided funds for the playing side of things got the success on the field we're well established as a Premier League team now I think this season has very much secured that the last three seasons you couldn't really read too much into them with the with the up and downs that we've had um, but we're, we're an established mid to upper mid-table Premier League team now, so they can afford, it, it looks like a more sound investment, to put the money that they have into redeveloping things. Ultimately, they're going to make more money in the long run by ex, uh, expanding the stadium. You get more people in, you get more revenue through the merchandise, you get more revenue through ticket sales, uh, you hopefully grow the club to a point where you're challenging regularly for top six, top seven. Um, and as you say, the horse racing on the side, it proves that they're not channeling all their funds into this it proves that they're not chucking all the money they have at Leicester they've got loads more money that they can put elsewhere people spending money is a good sign of how wealthy they are people buying something and sitting on it doesn't really show you how financially powerful they are so it's good to know that we've got a lot of money behind us to improve every aspect of the club I think you're right and um, you could maybe label say the owners of Arsenal in that way uh, I can't use Usinov or something that owns more than 50%. What's he done? He, again, someone who just sits on the money where it shows you that these will spend and it's fantastic. I, I, walking through the, uh, the fans as well, many people who are here in threes and fours cracking open the beer and saying happy birthday and I had one friend who was a bit kind of like, oh, free beer, there's a chairman's birthday and fireworks, bit cheesy and I went, no, no one cares. It's going to be good. 
fireworks, free beer. It's his 60th birthday. We are not bothered. From the outside world, it might look cheesy. And I'll tell you one thing. There's going to be 3,200 fans who are absolutely well, sick, jealous of what Leicester have done yeah. and with the owners that we've got. And well, they'll all be the wearing... And they'll, exactly, they'll all be wearing black and whites. They'll be looking at the, the fireworks and the appreciation. There'll be big banners everywhere and they'll be going, oh my God, look at the state of what we've got owning our club compared to what you've got. Okay, so we've moved now behind the East End, uh, an area which certainly will be redeveloped. Uh, I'd imagine the 20 yards or so immediately oh, we're gonna get run over again here <laughs> why did we do this in a car park last time we did it in the car park a car alarm went off oh, that's the, right and this time we're getting mowed down by big cars i liked it in, actually in the car park i think it's only quite good um but the the immediate say 10 to 15 meters behind the stand that'll obviously be taken up by the the extra seats i'll be interested to see whether it's going to be another tier or whether it's just going to be a continuation of the actual stand they've currently got um, I would like that second option the latter option of if possible depends on how big they want to go just continue the seats in an upward curve um, so there's not like a second tier yeah, and if then you've got a second tier you mask a lot of the noise don't you it's almost like having it looks like an extension then doesn't it but if the if one stand is bigger than the others but it is still a continuation I think you better you've got a better chance of keeping everything contained within the stadium if you've got a a second tier and a bit of a roof the people in the upper tier aren't going to be able to hear an awful lot of what's going on underneath equally if they're making a lot of noise it's just going to disappear out the top rather than mix in with everybody else's i mean i mean we have no idea of what they're going to do but that that would be nice and then maybe you could extend where the people walk into the ground actually that would be an area where which obviously needs updating uh, Another thing that would need updating is the facilities, which they said they would do, in terms of uh, getting a beer, getting a, um, a, a pie and all that sort of thing at half-time, which is quite poor. Why is a chap walk past us on his phone really loud when he knows we're recording? He's just seen your headphones and he's gone, I'm going to get on whatever they're talking on, I'm going to get on. Congratulations, sir, you're on for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's, it looks like he's going the right way now. He's walked past us to what is essentially some bushes. Yeah. To walk past us again to go where he needs to go. At, uh, at work, outside the studio door, is an area where there's an office next door where people, I think, just do like the results and stuff. They, when, when they're on their phone, they walk and stand outside of a live studio and talk really loud. And I'm just sat there going, oh, you've walked into the worst position possible and it's, it's terrible. But this week was the week where I actually brought in uh, loads of like A4 paper saying like please don't stand here talking really loud on your phone and it happened where this one guy particular guy who, who does it all the time he was on the phone and he was kind of turning around like talking talking until he looked at the poster <laughs> and then just went oh right, i'll call you back <laughs> it worked and i was like yes a little you, you're that guy at work that leaves um leaves little sarcastic notes or no not that, not that guy this this was needed though this was needed but Do you um, put post-its on your lunch in the fridge or something no we don't have that sort of thing there's a there's a kitchen in that but uh, Anyway, back to the football. So that needs work because um, it's quite poor at the moment, really. I know, I know we've obviously with the press and this and the other, but uh, speaking to, to fans, my dad, uh, basically the, the, trying to get a beer is, is a bit of a job at half-time. Um, the training of the staff and all that sort of thing. People who go to the King Power listening to this, they'll be nodding their heads going, yes. And it's, it's always been poor. Hopefully that can change. And uh, like I said, behind us back towards Elston Road there's plenty of room I think they're going to have to knock that building down if they do 
they could build anything. We mentioned about the amount of money they're putting into the racing. They could build anything. It it's, it's really is something to look forward to. I'd imagine work won't be starting until either late next season or the post-season after, after next year. Um, the one caveat, though, is obviously staying in the Premier League. And you look at a team like Southampton, who Leicester and a lot of teams would be modelling their club on and a well-run club who are finishing in the top half of the table no real danger of relegation bang all of a sudden one wrong manager and a poor team and look where they get so the general rule is don't sack club well if you finish eighth and get well and do well in the cup it's it's still it's bizarre really they've not really changed the side from what he had and and, and look what he did he, he, he kept them into the top half of the table got to a cup final and yet now they've employed a guy with the same pretty much team and they've gone down it's it well it looks like they're going down well, yeah, so Mark Hughes isn't exactly the saviour is he because he got sacked by Stoke because he couldn't keep him out of the relegation zone and now he's there at Southampton trying to do exactly the same job that he couldn't do for the last 20 odd games of the Premier League but it means that we do have to err on a side of caution with you know expanding the ground and looking forward which you have to and of course we're, you know, we're, all, we're told to keep dreaming by Claudio that's what we're going to do looking forward to hopefully qualifying for Europe but Southampton is now going to be when they go down if they go down um the word of warning you know that is going to be the club to look say don't count your laurels West Brom this was meant to be the year that they they break out of being that safe club finishing 10th and really pushing forward they spent a lot of money didn't they spent a lot of money yeah and, and it's been a complete disaster so there are warnings out there for Leicester um, just looking at today's game Diabate's interest in starting it'd be nice to see Silver and Ibora we wonder how that'll get on it's a shame that Matty James is injured for the rest of the season um, Shouder is on the bench I think it obviously will become more of a prevalent first team uh, figure probably next season. Um, so an interesting game we've got coming up. We've won 2-0 away at Brighton. A game where if we were Brighton, which Leicester have been in the past, got promoted, played well against the club and then lost. It kind of happens, doesn't it? You don't take your chances. And a bit of uh, criticism came in the way of Schmeichel after the game against uh, Chelsea. Deserved really... Uh, for that one error but uh, made up with a, a fantastic save I was going to say yeah we, we talk about him and a lot of people slated him on social media and said oh that's uh, highlighted him for the average goalkeeper that he is where we always say on, on for Fox sake that he's definitely in sort of the top top third of goalkeepers in, in the Premier League he's one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League and that just proves it he single-handedly got us the result there. He, he kept Leicester in a position where they could go on to win the game and you, you wouldn't get that from many goalkeepers. The, um, the, the penalty save was was excellent. Obviously, Glenn Murray was a little bit off-colour compared to his his form in the Premier League historically throughout this season. But that is what Kasper Schmeichel brings to this team. But aside from the obvious that we talked about on the podcast where we said, look, forgive him the odd mistake because he brings such leadership, such character to the team. Uh, great communicator, isn't he? His distribution is, uh, is more often than not excellent. Uh, but that just proves to you from a goalkeeping perspective what he does bring to this team. Uh, and I don't think it's a position that, that we need to worry about. We only talked about it on the podcast because, yes, there was a mistake and other people were mentioning on social media giving him some some stick for it. I don't think either of us ever thought we need to, to look in the goalkeeping department. Uh, we've got more pressing areas on the pitch to, to look at. But Kasper Schmeichel as Leicester's number one goalkeeper for the next four or five years. Easily. Happy. 
Yeah, for as long for as long as really he wants to be here, um, I, I would put down Schmeichel as being a strong point of our side. Um, both ends of the field, you've got Vardy one end and Schmeichel the other. You want that core to be good, and I think we've got one of the best goalkeepers in the league, and especially for a team in our position. Um, it looks increasingly. I don't know what the final result was at Goodison. I will take a look as I'm uh, as I'm talking. But uh, if it stayed nil nil, then obviously they get a point looking behind us in the league. Um, Burnley doing well. And we need to keep on winning. Today's game is going to be interesting against the Newcastle side, who, you know, they do score a few goals occasionally away from home. They've picked up a few results. Very good manager. I think he's done a tremendous job. With when you look at the actual side that they've got in their squad, especially rather than their side, their first eleven. Look at the, the squad. What a what a what a fantastic job he's done. Nil nil. Is that the universal sign for nil nil? Yeah. Making yeah, right. a zero with one hand and a zero with the other. Um, so, and Leicester, they do concede goals. They might not concede many, but they do on a regular occurrence. Leicester are the... Um, they, they have, in, in terms of betting, both teams to score is a, is a very popular bet. Uh, and you look for who is the best at uh, both teams. Which team scores and concedes the most in each league. And you've got teams like Peterborough quite often in League One. Uh, you go into the championship teams like Barnsley and, and, and people like that. Um, Leicester have done it the most in the Premier League score and concede in, in a game so uh, I'm looking at possibly Leicester conceding today and I'm thinking maybe something like a 2-1 victory I don't think it's going to be a walkover for other side I think it's going to be a close game I think that they are a well drilled team uh, quite solid at the back as well but I think we just might have just something extra and uh, I think the extra might come from the midfield too yeah and I think if we start well and start with some intent rather than start and try and keep the ball and keep things solid for 10-15 minutes you've got Diabati in, in in, as part of the sort of advanced midfield three you've got Ibora and Silva who are both very much ball playing central midfielders get the ball down zip it about make Newcastle do the work show the quality that we've got on the ball and go and attack them from the first whistle because we're at home the atmosphere is great you know people are bu- uh, buzzing for today's game they've had a free beer they've had a chocolate coin there's a lot of news around <laughs> fireworks do you know what i mean the, the the atmosphere here is very good it's almost it's almost a little bit like the last game of the season you know when you come and there's a bit loads going on around the stadium you're looking forward to birch's run all that kind of stuff it's almost a little bit like that but still with plenty to play for and I think the two changes that have come in to the regular starting eleven are, are both positive ones and both lend themselves to us going and giving Newcastle a game. And the sun is shining as well. It's, it's quite warm. warm. It's, I've got a big jumper on, but it's, it is warm. Um, so it, it, it does have that kind of end-of-season feel in, in a good way, that, that relaxed, um, relaxed anticipation. Uh, of the game there's going to be fireworks we know for, for a start yeah that's what I was trying to get in when I was oh. trying to, I was waving jumping them down oh, I've got a pun I've got a line but there we go um, so anyway that's all the news from outside the King Power before the game obviously it's not in the uh, for Fox HG I like these ones though I like these ones in the car park at the because I know we don't talk about the game as much because like I said people are listening to it during the week but it uh, just gives you a bit of atmosphere and then people actually do believe that we're we're at the ground. Um, now, what we're going to be doing is uh, you'll hear from us at half time and you'll hear from us at the end of the game as well, doing a bit of a summer, although it probably won't be me at the end of the game because I've got to go slightly early uh, today. So hopefully it's not going to be a big barnstorming grand finale. That's completely selfish of me. Hopefully it is. Hopefully it's 3 3 and we score a last minute winner, a Diabate stunner. I'm excited to see a Diabate. Um, the one thing with Abora and uh, Silva, 
obviously Ndidi's out for a couple of games the next game away at Burnley a big miss and that's really going to be one of the pinnacle games of the season not just because they're obviously the rivals for seventh but obviously the knock-on effect from that there won't be many more games of the season to play but if we go there and win what kind of damage that's going to do to their morale etc that sort of thing what or if any um do either Silva or Ibora or both need to do in terms of possibly changing their game to combat the fact that we don't have Ndidi or do they just play their natural game I think they'll have been obviously they knew Ndidi would be unavailable from the second that he got sent off so this entire week will have been focused on how do we get Ibora and Silva to play together because one Ndidi is pretty much one of the first names on the team sheet we don't talk about him an awful lot but he does everything so well especially considering his age you just almost assume he's going to have a, an 8 out of 10 game you don't, that's why he doesn't get talked about so there's a, there's a reason that Ebora and Silva haven't been put together whether Puel doesn't think they can play together or whether that's because of the, the fact that I just stated that Ndidi is such a shoe in for central midfield at the moment I don't know they can't play the slightly more sedate European style Ebora is a big lad he needs to go and win balls today and give the ball to Silva for Silva to be the ball player. I think there always has to be, in, the, in, in a two-man midfield, there always has to be a destroyer and a ball player. Ibora, without doubt, can play the ball, but I think Silva physically lacks in that department. It lacks a bit of strength. He lacks uh, uh, physical sort of presence, if you like. He doesn't mind putting himself about a little bit and he'll get stuck into a challenge, but I think Ibora needs to be the man there in there, the enforcer, uh, and needs to knock that ball off to Silva to move the ball on. Look, we've had it in, in recent seasons. The reason Kante and Drinkwater work so well, Kante, interception, challenge, toe in here, little five-yard ball there, Drinkwater was the one that moved the ball. They have to work in tandem like that for this to be successful today. Yeah, many people have been wanting a three-man midfield with Silva, Ibora alongside Ndidi, and it's not worked at the moment, and it's not worked with Ndidi in the side. Now Ndidi's not in the team. If these two play very well together over the next couple of games, I'm not saying Ndidi then won't get back into the side, but it means that it's possibly more likely that Puel would have to change the formation to then get Ndidi back into the side. He hasn't done it to get Silver into the side because when he has come on and when he has played, he's been ineffective. But I think if these two play well together, you're going to want to bring Ndidi back into the side. That may form more of an argument for changing the formation I was interested to see um, and the last bit from outside the King Power before the game uh, Ahmed Musa playing for um, Seska Moscow at, uh, at the Emirates and I was watching it with a few friends and I said to them I said look if you saw that guy now how old was he when we bought him 23? 23 something like that yeah, yeah. 23, 24 something like that if you saw his performance against Arsenal and said you can buy him for £15 million you'd take a chance pushing the ball away from defenders he is just lightning like like we know and because he played in a forward three that's possibly how Leicester will then change their formation not to fit Ahmed Musa although it would do but with having those three midfielders quite narrow Ndidi, Silva and Ibora narrow in terms of a midfield three and then having three forwards having Vardy in the middle with two either side, not as wingers, but as forward, left centre, forward, right centre. It's the Liverpool formation, isn't it? Exactly. Um, you could easily have that. It means you need two uh, full-backs to then bomb on. 
that to me is hopefully the way Leicester are going because it would suit players like Gray, it would suit um, Diabate, it would suit Musa, it would suit Vardy. I still think it, it would be fine with that, and it would suit Mares if he's still at the club. But the main thing is it would mean that those midfield three you could then play Silvery Bora and indeed it'll be interesting to see how it gets on hopefully uh, Leicester do well and we'll be back with you at half time so from outside the King Power on a glorious day what's the time? quarter three is it really? yeah oh my god right better get in I need to get some dinner so half time at the King Power uh, boos were ringing around as the uh, officials went off it's, it's all about the penalty, really. The penalty that never was. Rob Hayes, was it a penalty, yes or no? Yes. However, I can understand why it's not been given because Mares is half leaning into the fact that he's going to get some contact. He knows he's beaten the defender. 100% he knows that. Uh, has he gone down a bit softly? Yes. From a Leicester point of view, is it a penalty? Yes. From a Newcastle point of view, you might th- think it might be a little bit harsh, but... On the whole, you only wanted a yes or no. Yes. <laughs> I take that as a yes, kind. Of. Well, for me, it's a definite penalty. And as I said on commentary, I don't think it's the overriding factor, but the fact that Benitez has berated that linesman for uh, the linesman giving a, free, a throw in to Leicester when it was down halfway inside a half and the referee, uh, the opposite to half to where the linesman is, and the referee was right by him at the time, and yet somehow. The linesman's gave the decision. Benitez, quite rightly, went, went, went nuts at him. And then this happens. The linesman was opposite Mares. He was on that side of the field. And he was the person, not the referee, who should have gave the decision. For me, it's quite a simple decision. The player's gone in. He slid. He's not got near the ball. He's taken part of Mares. It's a, it's a penalty. In modern-day football, it's a penalty. I still think back in the 60s, 70s, it would have been a penalty. Somehow it's not been given. I would love to know why that has not been given. That's what I would love. I would love to know why that linesman has not... What is the reason? Has he got the man? Yes. Has he got the ball? No. Is it a penalty? Yes. Why? Why, well, that's, why that, Rob? That, that's why I tried to not justify the referee's decision at all, but that's why I tried to say, look, Maris is, it, it, it is very much a part of modern-day football, dangling a leg in there already a little bit on the way down anticipating the contact but that's you'd almost argue that that's his right if he can beat the man that easily commit him to go into ground in the penalty area which is always a risky thing to do as a defender then surely he deserves a penalty yes there was contact it wasn't a proper clear out it wasn't a proper trip but there was contact with his legs and by the by the laws of the game it's a penalty yeah well I agree I mean Leicester have been poor Goal by Shelby, I thought Shelby did well, dumbing away from a few players, edge of the box, side-footed, uh, maybe unsighted the goalkeeper from Chilwell. Leicester just haven't got going. Uh, the occasional glimpse from Silver and Diabate, but of course uh, we know that Abora has gone off. They need to improve second half and uh, hopefully they do. So that's full-time here at the King Power Stadium. Leicester City 1, Newcastle United 2. We can hardly hear ourselves speak here in the press box because of the racket that the Toonami are making away in the far corner. They're celebrating what is effectively Premier League survival for them this season. And it's uh, 
job done for them in terms of uh, the season but job done for them today as well they came with a game plan they were very effective they did their jobs to a man they knew exactly what they needed to do on the pitch and got the result accordingly uh, uh, for Fox 8 debut now for Danny Green Danny part of the Leicester City FC audio descriptive commentary team for this season and beyond we hope if we keep you on uh, Pete's had to dash off to a gin evening in Nottingham that tells you what kind of uh, person he thinks he is these days but Danny uh, we'll sit you here on the neutral fence you're not a Leicester fan I won't disclose what team you, su you do support but your overall uh, summary of that game for us well, I quite enjoyed it uh, as, a, as a neutral, as a, as a football fan. If you can hear me over the Newcastle fans who have been in fine voice, uh, particularly second half. Leicester just didn't get out of the traps in the first half, which has been uh, almost a reflection of them over the last two or three home games, to be honest. Uh, Stoke and Bournemouth were very similar. They didn't really get going in the first half and found themselves chasing the game and almost looked better for it in the second half of, of all three matches. Um, but they were caught by that sucker punch, weren't they? By that long ball forward and Maguire and, and Morgan, who would eat that up all season long, let the ball bounce. Michael stuck in no man's land. And at 2-0 down with 15 minutes to go, it's just too much to do. They got the goal. They got the goal that would have got them back in the game um, through Vardy. But for 60 minutes, maybe for 50 minutes, they just didn't really create anything at all. Vardy's isolated on his own. He's chasing balls into the channels. Um, and he didn't really have the support. Diabate was given a more central role for the first time maybe this season. Didn't really contribute a great deal, I didn't think. Uh, and Okazaki did more in the half hour than, than Diabate managed in an hour. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I enjoyed the game. Um, but Leicester, they were just too flat for the first 45, being the home side, uh, to really get anything from the game. And I think Newcastle deserved it. They probably just shaded it overall. So criticism of the way that Clawpoel wants to play is that possession football perhaps doesn't quite suit the players that Leicester have got because they're then asked to come up with something fairly special to create clear-cut opportunities whereas in the past it was soak up the pressure defend well and play the percentage pass I'm not I'm not saying that Danny Drinkwater was a hit and hope midfielder but he knew exactly where Vardy was going to be nine times out of ten spun hit the channel Leicester didn't seem to be in this game and in, and in previous games to have the quality or even really the intent to try and beat a man try and play a, a give and go try and create something you can't play in front of a team for 90 minutes and expect to find a way through Newcastle uh, I won't say that they parked the proverbial bus but they were so well organised back four midfield four wingers working their socks off and Leicester didn't really look like they were going to try and find a way in behind. The fullbacks, Leicester's fullbacks had a lot of the ball because that was the only place that Newcastle couldn't get close to them. Uh, and I appreciated that Puel made an early change second half to take Simpson off, bring all Brighton into right back to give somebody with a bit more technical ability some time on the ball. But they just, it, it looked flat, it looked sluggish, it didn't look like Leicester were trying to find any kind of way through. It's credit to Newcastle, but it's a criticism of many supporters of the way that Puel wants Leicester to play. Yeah, uh, certainly. When you go back to, and I don't know how long we can keep going before we keep, you know, when we keep harping back to this, the championship winning winning side, but it was about, like you say, it was about sitting deep, soaking up the pressure and releasing the ball early. Now, the circumstances have changed a little bit these days, you know, um, sides are more aware of Leicester's strengths perhaps, um, but you've got maybe we try and pick up some incidents today you've got one where Vardy's getting a bit frustrated uh, because he's not seeing a great deal of the ball Schmeichel's got the ball 
United, uh, Newcastle have got their defensive line really high. It's, it's over, almost over halfway. And Vardy wants the ball, ping straight away. He's, he's about to make his run. Schmeichel doesn't do it. And then by the time he does, Newcastle have treated 10 yards and the space is, the space is gone. Vardy wants that space to be able to run into. Mares looks a bit short of confidence. He's not seeing the ball. And when he does get the ball, it may be a split second later than he was getting it. So he's got a man right on him straight away. Dummett is one of the worst defenders I've seen play in the Premier League. <laughs> not based on necessarily today's performance. He hasn't had to do a great deal today. He's just... But I've seen him play in the Championship and he is woeful. He is a terrible left-back. He started as a centre-half, I think, and he's been pushed out to left-back. He is woeful. Mares is being talked about a £50 million player isn't getting the ball early enough to be able to run at Dummett. And he's got the beating of Dummett all day long, but he's not had the opportunity to do it today. And therefore... He's not getting past his man. He's not getting balls into the box for Vardy, which which is what they won the league on. Um, you've got Gray coming on, created the first goal. But he looks short of confidence too because he's in and out of the side. Does he know what his role is? You've got three players there that Pure wants to play. Albrighton, um, Mares. You've got Gray drifting in and out, Okazaki drifting in and out, Diabate. And I think that I feel like watching them it's like they can drift around the three of them they can interchange they can play one off but then by the same token you're confusing matters because sometimes they don't know what they're supposed to be doing so they're playing with a lack of confidence they're in and out the side particularly somebody like Damari Gray a young player does he look like he's playing with the belief of somebody whose manager is behind him now I'm not so sure and that sometimes just filters through and you and then the fans get a bit frustrated because why aren't you beating your man why aren't you going past him and that just, you know, you get up in, you get in this vicious circle of, of, of a, I don't know, just a lack of, just a lack of confidence, a lack of self-belief of these players that are comfortably Premier League players, and they're good players. Last point then before we sign off. Uh, a lot of fans interested today to see the Ibora Silver partnership in the in the centre of midfield. Saw it for all of 39 minutes until Ibora limped off with what seemed from from up here in the stands to be a hamstring injury, certainly holding the back of his right leg uh, after sort of stretching for a a ball at about shoulder height or one of those awkward ones um, it was always a question mark as, uh, and, and I asked it I asked Pete earlier on on the podcast uh, and I'll ask you the same question do you think the reason that Ebora and Silva haven't played together yet as a central midfield two is because Ndidi is undroppable or is it because Puel doesn't perhaps trust them to work in the same team a la Gerard and Lampard for England yeah I, I don't know about Ebora and uh, Silva, the jury's out for me, and that's uh, a lot of money you spent on two players where I'm not convinced by. And Didi came into the side, came into the club with big boots to fill in, you know, N'Golo Kante who went. And for me, this season, Ndidi's been probably the, the, the most outstanding player. He's probably been the best player. It'd be, it'd be a shock for me if he doesn't pick up one of the awards at the end of the season. Um, for me, Ebora and Silva, they just don't really make anything happen. You look at, they sit deep. Perhaps it's not Silver's game. He perhaps wants to get on a bit, bit more further forward, but they just don't really make things happen. Look at Newcastle today. They've got John Joe Shelby playing deep, but he drifts into spaces, picks up the ball, and makes things happen. He scored a goal, and this is this is a player who's sat in front of his back four, but he knows when to just creep, creep up the pitch. And he's appeared on the edge of the penalty area today, on the edge of Leicester's penalty area, and banged a goal, and banged a goal, and no one knew he was there. And he's done that several times for Newcastle this season. They're surprised he's not in the England squad. Um, yeah, the jury's out for Ibora and Silva. Maybe Puel doesn't know who his central midfield two are. Maybe, he, and for me, Ndidi is undroppable. He's got to play. He wins the ball. He gets stuck in. He gets about, and and he works hard. He grafts. 
Ibora, Silva, do they cheat a little bit? Do they know what their roles are? I'm not too sure. Chowdhury's come in today and done pretty well, but he's not going to get in above Indeedy. When so maybe Chowdhury gets the next game, but yeah, there's a lot of money spent on those two, and, and I'm not convinced by either of them yet. Well, we will see uh, what is to come. Leicester defeated this afternoon on the chairman's 60th birthday. We had fireworks, we had free beer, we had free commemorative chocolate coins, but we couldn't get any points. Uh, from myself, Pete Selby and Danny Green, we will speak to you next time. Danny, thank you very much for coming on for Fox 8. We might speak to you again uh, later on in the season, um, certainly maybe on a season review podcast because you've you've watched this uh, Another topsy-turvy season for Leicester. Every 10 minutes seems to be topsy-turvy, to be perfectly honest. But uh, let us know your thoughts on the game. Get in touch with us the usual ways at FFSPod on Twitter. For Fox8Podcast at gmail.com if your contribution is a little bit more wordy. Um, Anything we've talked about, anything that happened in the game that you want uh, to share with us, please do so and we'll speak to you next time.